Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. John chapter 5, verse 1, And this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered. Notice these next four words, waiting for the moving. Amen. People with needs were waiting for a move. They were waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Amen. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had made. They were waiting for a move. But the trouble preceded the move. Amen. If I could just lift the first three words of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 for my title tonight, I would preach to us for a few minutes tonight on this thought. We are troubled. Amen. Anybody feel that anticipation here tonight? Trouble's not always bad. Trouble gets you into a place of urgency. Trouble moves you into a place where you're aware of your surroundings. Amen. Trouble moves you into a place. They were looking for something, and that trouble is what brought them to a place of looking. I don't know about you tonight, but I could barely sleep last night, Pastor, because I was expecting that when we walked into this building tonight, there was going to be a visitation of the Spirit. There was going to be a move of God. I'm expecting before we leave here tonight, somebody's going to be healed. I'm expecting before we leave here tonight, somebody is going to be set free. Somebody is going to be filled. I wonder, is there anybody like me that you all day long, there's been something stirring in your, yes, we're looking for a move of God, but before we can get to the move of God, there's got to be a troubling that takes place in the atmosphere. Amen. We are troubled. Lord bless you. I don't, I don't know what will happen in the next 20 minutes or so. You could be seated. I don't know if it will be a, a sermon that you'll even want to keep up on your website. I don't know. But I know God wants to do something tonight. And whether we get through a sermon or not, it, to me, is inconsequential. It's insignificant if the, if, the, if the preacher gets through all of his notes in a sermon. It's, we want God to move. And I felt very deeply in my spirit all night last night into today that God wants to do something. And I felt like what he was telling me is get out of the way when I start to move. So whenever that is, if that's right now, if somebody in this building has a sickness, I believe right now God can heal you. And that can be what starts the move. Come on. Is there, is there somebody in the building that came with an expectation that you're looking for? The waters are troubled in this place. I'm telling you, the waters are troubled in this place. But there's got to be somebody in the house that's looking for a move. I don't know about you, but I'm troubled in my spirit, not in a bad way, in a good way, because I feel like something is about to move. What exactly is trouble? 
And what does it mean to be troubled? For many years, I thought my mom was serious when she said it was my middle name. But to be troubled is the state of being acted upon by trouble. And it brings with it an absence of peace. We're just not completely at rest. It's that troubling thought that you can't get out of your mind, that gnawing awareness that just won't let you slip into sleep at night, that feeling that something is around the corner, that something is just around the next bend. Trouble in our humanity, we don't like trouble. We don't like that troubling feeling because we like comfort and we like peace. But I want to tell you tonight that trouble is a tool in the hands of God. Amen. Trouble is a tool in the hands of God. Amen. That, that trouble is what stirs us to look for a move of God in our lives. If I could take you to the writings of the prophet Joel, and he began to speak about those uh, those creatures, if you would, that troubled the harvest, the locust and the palmer worm and the canker worm, uh, all of those things that troubled the harvest. Uh, but he didn't end by talking about them. He said, they are my great army, which I sit among you. Amen. Trouble is a tool in the hand of God. Trouble proceeds and prompts movement in the kingdom of God. When you are dealing with trouble in your world and it, it's like there's just an uneasiness in your spirit, I want you to know that it's very likely that God is getting ready to move, that God is getting ready to prompt you to, to a, a, a movement in the kingdom of God. If, if I could take you to the life of David. David is living his best life, as my daughters would say. He's out among the hills of Bethlehem. And really, in, in that setting, most every day for David is chasing butterflies and writing songs. There is the occasional rescuing of a lamb from a lion or a bear. But for the most part, it's, it's sitting out on the hillside. And, and if all that David had accomplished in his life was to be a shepherd that sat on the hillside watching his father's sheep and strumming his harp and writing psalms. If that's his greatest accomplishment, I believe David still would have had one book in the Bible. The book of Psalms is a collection of songs that David wrote. If that's all that he would have been, I believe that we would know who David was. If he never had been a king, if he never had been a giant slayer, I believe that David would still have significance in our Bible today. But God had a purpose greater for David than simply writing psalms, strumming a harp, and taking care of sheep. And so God said, David, there's more that I've got for you than where you're living right now. And so I've got to move you from Bethlehem to a battlefield. And the only way to get you there is I've got to bring trouble into your world. David, there's more within you than songwriting and heart playing. There's a greater destiny on your life than sitting on the side of a hill watching sheep. But without trouble, that's all you will ever be. If I don't bring trouble into your world, all you'll ever be is a songwriter and a shepherd. So I'm going to bring some trouble into your life. In the form of a giant named Goliath, who for 40 days and 40 nights troubled Israel. For 40 days, he stood on the battlefield and shouted his threatenings 
and dared Israel to send a man to come up against him. For 40 days, he mocked and cursed the God of Israel. For 40 days, the shouts of Goliath pierced the sky, the sound of that heavy spear echoing through the valley as he slammed it against the stony ground. The Bible says all the words that he spake caused Saul and all of Israel to be dismayed and greatly afraid. He troubled Israel. And without this troubler of Israel, without this giant shouting on a battlefield, all that we would ever know David as is a shepherd who wrote songs. But it was trouble that caused David to lay down a shepherd's staff and choose five smooth stones and get that sling. It was trouble that led David to run onto a battlefield. Listen, somebody in this place, you've been going through trouble, but it's God trying to move you into a greater purpose and a greater calling. Listen, it's time for the church of the living God to be troubled. It was trouble that brought Goliath to pick up the sword, or David to pick up the sword of Goliath and for all of eternity to silence the cursing mouth of that giant. It was trouble that brought David out of the shadows of Bethlehem and thrust him into the spotlight of Israel. It was his response to trouble that would catapult him from a keeper of sheep to the slayer of giants. But God used trouble to move David toward his destiny. Amen. If it had not been for that, David would simply be a psalmist, a songwriter, and a shepherd. Don't underestimate the ability of God to use trouble in your life to move you into his plan and into his purpose. How you doing, Claire? Come here real quick. She wasn't expecting this, and I'm going to pay dearly for it. But Claire is from our church. Is this all right, Pastor? Claire is out of our church in Lexington Park. I should ask Claire, is this all right, Claire? Absolutely not, she said. Claire is out of our church in Lexington Park. Just stand right there and look real pretty. Claire, about 17 years ago, her mom and dad were not apostolic, didn't know what apostolic was. They were, her mom and dad, there was trouble in their marriage. Their marriage was about to fall apart. They'd already been to the legal counsel seeking divorce. It was all but over. But they walked into that church on a Wednesday night and sat through the service and her dad got up afterward and said, I'll never go back in there. Then people are crazy. But he came back again the next Sunday and the Sunday after that. And we baptized her daddy in Jesus name. And then we baptized her mom in Jesus name. Now they lead our children's ministry. They're some of the greatest leaders in our church. Her older sister is married to the youth secretary of the Kentucky district. Her other sister is our worship pastor back in Living Hope. Her brother is an anointed drummer and being mentored to be a priest. None of that would have happened if it hadn't been for trouble in their lives. Come on, somebody in this place. You've got neighbors living to the left of you. There's trouble in their world. You've got neighbors living in the street behind you, and there's trouble in their lives. But God is using trouble. Speaking of trouble, I'm in it, right, Claire? I love you. Thank you. 
I'm preaching to somebody here tonight that there's trouble in your world. Amen. There's trouble in our world today. And we look around us at all the trouble politically in our nation. Through Globally, there's trouble everywhere we look. But my Bible doesn't just stop by saying that we are troubled. It goes on and says we are troubled on every side. But we are not in despair. We're not perplexed. Everything's going to be all right because the trouble. There's a reason for the trouble. God is turning things in our world. They're looking for an answer. There's trouble in our world. And I believe that God is using this trouble to reposition his church. God is using trouble. God never meant for his church to be a social club. Where we come together and all our talents are on this. And I'm not against talent. You got the best here at Calvary. I, I'm a little jealous to be honest. But you got great talent and you got great ability. But God never intended his church to exist within four walls. And this is all we ever are. And so he's using trouble to reposition his church. Come on, you're meant to be more than a shepherd or a psalmist. I've got to get some trouble in your world so I can get the church outside of these walls into a broken world. I look at David just a little bit. I'm not going to preach long. Maybe, maybe another 10 minutes if that's all right. I look a little bit lo longer, a little later into the story of David. Now he's no longer a keeper of sheep. Now he's the giant slayer. He's on the front page of Jerusalem Times. He's the most famous warrior in all of Israel. His valiant victory has brought him promotion. And he is now the captain over a thousand in Saul's army. No longer is he the songwriter on silent hills of Bethlehem. But now he is the object of the songs that are sung on the streets of Jerusalem. Now he has power. Now he has position. Now he has fame and notoriety. He is favor with the king. His best friend is the king's son, and he's married to the king's daughter. David has it made. He's connected. His wagon is hitched to all the right people. It's been a great place for David to just push pause. I've arrived now. I eat dinner in the castle. I, I, I hang out in the palace. My best friend is the king's son. My wife is the king's daughter. There's notoriety. I'm the most famous, popular person in the city. But God said, David, that's not all that I've got for you. And if you're, if you're ascribing all that you're ascribing to in this world is fame and fortune and popularity, I want you to know tonight God has more for you than that. He never intended for you to just hit your wagon to the right people. He never intended for you to just get in a place of comfort. He's got more for you. Young preacher, God never meant for you to get to a place where you feel like you've arrived. The call of God is bigger than you arriving. I never thought that I'd be able to say some of my closest friends were people like Josh Carson, Aaron Bounds, Michael Lindsay, and the list goes on. How in the world? But that's not my calling is bigger than just to be buddies with a great pastor like you have. There's hungry people in this world, dying people in this world that are waiting for me to reach them, that are waiting for me to go into the streets of my city. And 
Too many times we make the, the pinnacle of ministry preaching at a conference or people knowing our name throughout this organization. Can I tell you, God said, David, you, I meant you for more than that. So guess what? Here comes trouble. David, you're content right now being a captain over a thousand. I've called you to lead an army. You're content being married to the king's daughter and being best friends with the king's son. But David, I intend for you to be the king. So David, the only way that I'm going to get you out of this place of comfort is I've got to send some trouble. And so God sends an evil, or I don't know if God sent it, but evil spirits came. God allowed this to happen either way it goes. And Saul begins to be troubled by evil spirits. Saul would call for David and David would begin to play that harp. And evil spirits would take over Saul. And he picked up that javelin and threw that javelin at David. Once again, trouble comes into David's world. What does David do? He flees. He runs from the notoriety. He runs from the fame. He runs from his connection with his best friend, the king's son. He runs and anywhere between eight and 20 years, David will run from that position of notoriety. He will flee from being a captain of a thousand. But when God gets finished, David is the leader of the armies of Israel. He is the king sitting on the throne. He's not married to the king's daughter. His wife is the king's wife. But God said, David, the only way I'm going to get you to your destiny is I've got to send you some trouble. We spend a lot of time praying trouble away. I believe even now there are people interceding. God, would you bring peace back to the United States of America? And I would love that too, just in my flesh, in my humanity. But could it just be that God is allowing things that are going on in our world right now and he's raising up Calvary at the same time? Amen, because it's time for an end time revival. But this church will never be everything God called it to be in the absence of trouble. We are troubled on every side. There's trouble all around us, but God is elevating his church. Somebody give him praise right now. He's positioning you. He's positioning me. Trouble is moving the church into its original destiny. I believe it was Jesus who said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let's be honest. The church that we've been having for the last 20, 30 years are not that kind of church. And so God said, I got to bring trouble. I need a church that the gates of hell will be afraid of. And so I've got to bring trouble because trouble awakens the intercessor. Trouble fills up the prayer room. Trouble fills up the baptismal tank. Trouble fills up the pews of the church. Trouble fills up the altars. Church, this is the hour that God created us for. This is the destiny that God formed us for. Somebody clap your hands right now if you believe it. Come on, if you believe that our prayer rooms are filling up, trouble is driving us into that. Our baptismal tanks are going to be troubled. Amen. People are going to be baptized in Jesus' name like never before. 
Come on, somebody. I believe that God is raising this church up. It is. Yes, you got a great pastor, but it's not just because you got a new pastor. God is raising this church up. It's your destiny. He created you for this purpose. He created you for this season. I want you right now, I want you to see it in your mind. They're coming. They're coming. The alcoholics, the drug addicts, they're coming. They're coming. The rich, the poor. They're coming because they're troubled. They're coming because there's fear in our world. They're coming because they're hurting and they're broken and they're looking for a move of God. Raise your hands with me. We are troubled. Do you feel it in your spirit? I can't sleep at night. I feel that anxiety. It's not a fear. It's not a worry. It's just something is coming. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know, Brother Hout, but I feel it coming. I feel it coming. I drive through the streets of my city, and I feel it happening. There's, there's a, 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 an electricity in the streets of my city even, and I feel an anticipation. Come on, there should be an anticipation in this place right now. I don't know who oversees your guest relationships, and I haven't had a conversation, but I can guarantee you in the last couple of months, there's been more first-time guests than ever before. I know back home in Lexington Park, we're not a church of this magnitude, but they called me on Sunday, Pastor, we had six first-time visitors. And the week before that, we had 11 first-time visitors. Why is it? Because there's trouble. There's trouble in our world. There's trouble in our world. They can't find the answer in Washington, D.C. They can't find the answer on Wall Street in New York City. They can't find the answer in academia. And so they're looking to the church. And God is raising up the church. And there are people sitting on our pews right now. You're living so far behind your purpose and your destiny. And God is using trouble to reposition you. Clap your hands one more time. Could remain standing. I'm going to conclude. We come back to the fifth chapter of John. First four verses used to establish the backdrop of what will be an incredible miracle. The ministry of Jesus, the healing of the impotent man. The scripture tells us that in this city of Jerusalem, situated next to the sheep gate, there is a pool called Bethesda, the place of mercy. Surrounding this pool are five porches, and the Bible says it's filled multitudes. When I see that, I, Brother Carson, we were talking before church, and I too, before I preach, I walk through my mind, maybe not the same way you do, but I walk through that passage. And in my mind, I see the faces of people in my city. I, I see that homeless 
That, that lady that I see walking up and down Great Mills Road, I see her in my mind as one of the, in the multitude. I, I see that drug addict. I, I, see, I see that couple that's always in the parking lot of Walmart. I see them in the multitude that are there. They're everywhere. There's no room between them. They're all pressed together, and they're all there for one reason. They're looking for a move. They're not looking for religion. They're not looking for a charismatic figure. They're looking for a move of God. Uh, come on, somebody, they're coming because they're looking. They're looking for a move. And every time that water moves, the first person to step into the waters is made whole of whatever sickness it is that they've been plagued with. And so their eyes and their expectations are fixed upon the water waiting for the move. Amen. Because the move is what they can see. The miracle is what they experience. But what precedes what they can see and what they can experience in an unknown world, but it's moving them with anticipation, is the troubling that will take place by the angel. Their expectation is longing for the miracle. And their eyes are looking for the move. But in that dimension that human eyes can't see, it is a trouble that leads them to these porches with a desire to see a move and hunger for the miraculous. We came here tonight on a Monday night because just like they did in John chapter 5 verse 3, we came tonight looking for a move of God. We came tonight looking for a move of God. But can I tell you what is preceding the move of God? There's a troubling that is taking place. There's a troubling in the atmosphere. And in this passage, the angel troubled, the water moved, and the miracle was available. But nothing happened until somebody stepped in. I don't care. The angel could dip his foot in there. He could do a cannonball. It doesn't matter. The waters could move. The waters could just ripple a little bit. It could be a tsunami overlapping the edges. It didn't matter. The miracle was created when the angel troubled and the water moved. But until somebody had enough faith to step in and say, this is mine. This is my miracle. I'm not leaving the way that I came. Amen. There's trouble in my world and I'm not leaving the way that I came. There's trouble in my family and I'm not leaving. I came tonight to tell somebody in this building, the waters are troubled in this place tonight. The angel is moving, the waters are moving, but somebody's got to step in tonight. The Carson I feel in the Holy Ghost cancer is gonna be rebuked off of somebody's life. In this building tonight, there is a miracle that is waiting for you. The atmosphere has been created. There's trouble in your world and the waters are moving, but you've got to step in. Come on, step in, step in, step in. Get in, there's, there's healing in the house. I don't care how long you've been addicted to those pain pills. I don't care how long you've been addicted to those narcotics. I don't care how many sleepless nights you've had. I don't care how many empty bottles you drank your way into. I want you to know tonight in this building, your trouble has brought you to a place where you need a move of God. I don't see that multitude standing around worrying about what their neighbor thought. 
Well, what if they laugh at me? What if they think badly? I don't care what you think about me. I've got to get into the move of God. I know there's not room for everybody in the front. Wherever you're standing, just take a step to the side. Take a step to the left. Take a step to the right. Step in. Come on, do you feel that? I feel it. It's in the atmosphere. I feel the water moving right now. Trouble in your world. The waters are moving. There's a miracle in this place. There's a multitude of miracles in this place. If you need a healing, it's in the house right now. Come on, for just the next few minutes, I wish everybody forget about your neighbor. Forget about whether your face is going to be on the screen and the camera's going to pick you up. Forget about all of that. There's some Davids in the house right now. You've been content on the hillside of Bethany, uh, of Bethlehem. God is repositioning you. Can we raise our hands one more time? I know God is moving. I feel that, I feel that move. It's a deep current of the Holy Ghost. But Pastor Carson, in all my reading of the scripture, one of the most devastating and even overplaying the word troubling passages of scripture are when Jesus asked that man, do you want to be made whole? And that man looks back at Jesus and says, I don't have anybody willing to help me. I'm the alcoholic on the corner of your street, but I don't have anybody that will help me. Yes, if I could do anything, I would get in that water, but I can't do it on my own. I need somebody that will help me. Come on, I need you to raise your hands right now if you're willing to be that intercessor. You're not just a member of Calvary. You're an ambassador of the King of Kings. You're not just a member of a local church. You're the ambassador of healing and hope. It's your neighbor that tonight will cry themselves to sleep. I wish I could find hope, but I don't know who will help me. God, I'm asking you to trouble our churches. I'm asking you to trouble our pews. I'm asking you to trouble our young preachers. I'm asking you to trouble our young preachers' wives. I'm asking you to trouble our congregations. Don't let us sleep at night until we get a move of God. Come on, he's moving right now. If you need a healing in your body, I want you to raise your hands. I know everybody has them up. But if you need a healing in your body, I want you to raise your hands. Look around you. If you're next to somebody right now who needs a healing in their body, I want you to pray for them. These signs shall follow them that believe they will lay hands on the sick. every cancerous tumor in the name of Jesus. I rebuke diabetes in the name of Jesus. 
rebuke every disease, every sickness in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a move of God. It's sweeping through this building right now. The most important part of this service is right now. It's the move of God. It's sweeping from the corners of this building all the way across this room.